0: If you didn't grab a a sheet of paper from the table when you came in, that's fine. If you want to get one on your way out, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. But I printed out some sheets of paper uh, that if you would like, they're just um, sheets that you can write your memory verses on. Um, Remember, we're trying to... Uh, commit to memory at least one verse from each chapter of proverbs um, not having a pop quiz not going to make you stand up and you know, put you on the spot or anything like that but I just want to remind you about that and challenge you and I'll say something that I tell uh, my Greek classes when they're learning the alphabet and things like that and that's that um, when you're trying to memorize something Use as many senses as you can to do it. So when you write something down, that's good because then you're also seeing it. And when you're writing it down, you should say it because that also means you hear it. So just use all of those things and it'll help you uh, commit those verses uh, to your memory. So um, if you want one of those sheets, you can can please take it. But tonight we're going to look in Proverbs 13 and we're going to cover the whole chapter. So it's going to be a little similar to last week, where we've got to buckle up because we're we're moving through an entire chapter pretty quickly, and we'll read every verse, um, and and I may say more things about some verses than others. But tonight we're also going to sort of jump through the chapter. Okay, we're not going to read them in order because there's there's some themes in the chapter. Uh, that go together, and I'm going to sort of try to pull those verses together. We're going to start by doing that. I hope that you can see what verses are on the slide here. Uh, we'll pull them together, verse 1, 10, 13, 14, 18, and 24. So there's no <laughs> there's no pattern there, but you'll see a, a connection. And they, they all fit together with this theme of correction or discipline or or teachability. Um, We saw that a lot during the first nine chapters of Proverbs where Solomon urged his son to listen, to heed his advice, to listen to wisdom. Um, And we've seen it again now that we're in this rapid-fire section. We saw it at the beginning of chapter 12 when Solomon said, "...whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid." We talked about that verse last week. But look at verse 1 of chapter 13. You see something similar. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Remember this word instruction here is sometimes translated discipline and it's that idea of educating someone through correction. They they need correcting and it takes discipline and instruction. It's a, it's a training word. You say, "Well, can you really be wise if you need correcting?" Yes the principle about about wisdom is that wisdom does not mean you know everything but it does mean you're willing to listen it means that you're willing to learn here solomon says that a wise son receives the instruction of his father so he needs correcting but he's he's ready for it he's willing to take it and make those uh, and make those changes so demonstrating your wisdom, or I should say you demonstrate your wisdom by the way you respond to correction, not by being arrogant and thinking that you know everything, which is a little bit what the scoffer does. Line B says a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A scoffer is someone who mocks and ridicules and laughs at wisdom. Um, and, and we've seen this word before, but it's been a while The word scoffer here, the root of this word, has the idea of speaking like a barbarian. Think of it this way. When you hear someone speaking in a foreign language that you don't know, what does it sound like? Sounds like gibberish, right? Have you ever watched Charlie Brown? What do adults on Charlie Brown sound like? That's the wah, 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 right? I'm not listening to that gibberish. That's what wisdom is to a scoffer. I'm not listening to that that gibberish. They're not teachable. They won't listen. And that really shows their arrogance. And so with that, that arrogant mind of a scoffer in view, look down at verse 10 now. Solomon says, By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. The word insolence here, it doesn't, refer to necessarily rude and disrespectful behavior, but it refers to pride. It's pride and arrogance. So with with someone who's arrogant and proud, there's going to be nothing but just contention. He says in verse 10, nothing but strife. If you have an attitude where you think you are always right, that you can learn nothing from, from nobody... You never need advice. You never need to be corrected. You're going to have a lot of arguments. You're going to have a lot of quarrels and a lot of strife. It's just going to be the way it is. And that's what Solomon's teaching us here. But wisdom comes from being humble enough to accept wisdom, to accept uh, advice, to accept the, the input of others. But as we move on, we'll move to verse 13 and 14 now. When we're talking about the advice and the input of others, we're not just talking about different opinions about random things all the time. Well, that's fine. But look at verse 13 and 14. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. We're not just talking about listening to other people's opinions. But ultimately, we're talking about godly correction. And especially from God's Word. In verse 13, you see these terms, Word and Commandment. Both of these terms are used in the Old Testament to describe the Old Testament. They're used for Scripture. And I like what one author says here. Uh, because we don't see it often in Proverbs. But he says this is a reminder that revealed religion is presupposed in Proverbs. you got to think back about 25 lessons ago to some of our intro lessons. We've had that many lessons in Proverbs already. I made the point that Proverbs did not just drop in out of the sky, out of nowhere. But that it has a context First of all, it was written by the king of Israel, who happened to be the son of David. It's written in the overall framework and context of the Old Testament. Um, it, it begins by assuming that Yahweh is the God that has wisdom. There's all of these just, uh, as Kaidner says, this revealed religion that's presupposed. And when we see the word here, word or commandment, It sort of reminds us of that, that Proverbs aren't just to be pulled out of nowhere, but they they fit within God's Word and His commandments. Um, And so someone who ultimately despises God's correction, despising God's Word, you'll suffer destruction. If you don't listen to God, it won't be good for you. Some translate verse 13... Um, in a way that's, that you'll be indebted to this commandment or that you'll, you'll pay for it, we might say. And that, that may be the idea as well. Um, if you reject God's Word, you'll, you'll, you'll pay for it. That almost sounds kind of trite, but you might pay for it with your eternity. If you've rejected Christ, you will. But sometimes you may pay for it in this life. There's consequences in this life if you uh, reject God's Word or even just in general, the teaching and the advice of others. Look at verse 18, and Solomon brings this point up. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. If you ignore correction and instruction, it might mean you're going to be ashamed and, and impoverished your whole life. Just think secularly for just a minute try ignoring your manager or your boss when they try to teach you how they want something done and see what happens probably won't last long in that job right if you're at school uh, if you're at school try ignoring a teacher when they're explaining how to do a project see how your grade turns out if you ignore correction and teaching it'll, it'll make you poor um, so don't be arrogant and unwilling to listen, unwilling to learn, unwilling to change, but let's be people that can go back to verse 14 and drink from that fountain of life that wisdom offers. We have got to understand that we don't know it all and we need training. Always from God. Always from His Word. But He uses others to teach us, doesn't He? And some people... Uh, that, that teach us quite a bit are our parents. So with that in mind, look at verse 24, "Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Here we still see the theme of teachability, of correction and discipline, but it sort of uh, it sort of is the reverse. It's not about how you receive discipline, But now it's if you're a parent, it's whether or not you love your child enough to give it to them, to hand it to them. So, um, first let's just ask, and, and you guys can answer, do children need instruction? Why? Why do children need correction and discipline and training? Why do they need that? Say, my little angel doesn't need that. Why do they need it? It's not really a trick question. Sin. If you answer sin or Jesus in a lot of answers, you're, you're going to get it right, right. If it's a negative answer, you can say sin. If it's a positive answer, say Jesus. right? Sin. Ultimately, much of the instruction that children need has to do with the fall of man and our sinful nature. Uh, in Genesis 8, 21, the Lord said this, The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And another, uh, later in Proverbs, we will read this. Listen to line A. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So our children all children not just our children when we when we were children children are sinners just like everybody else sinners lack wisdom they need to be taught they need to be instructed and guided and directed that that doesn't surprise us But i read one man who made a good uh, illustration here he likened children to gardens some of you may garden in here i know brother stan does brother stan if you don't work in your garden what will happen it grows up in weeds, it grows up in weeds. <laughs> If you don't tend your garden, if you, let it, if you let it go, you're going to have a lot of weeds and not a lot of fruit, not a lot of harvest. And children are the same way. If you let them go undisciplined, if they just get to have their way without correction, you're going to reap a lot of foolishness. I don't actually remember this happening because I was too young, but I remember my parents telling the story. Parents never tell stories on their kids, Right? When I was a toddler, two or three years old, my parents told me not to brush my teeth until they came to help me. Well, a few minutes later, here comes little Matthew out of the bathroom with toothpaste all over his mouth. But he didn't know that. Mom and dad asked me, Matthew, did you brush your teeth even though we told you not to? I said, no. That's foolishness. Not only disobeying in the first place, but then lying about it. I didn't know I had toothpaste all over my face. You know, my parents didn't teach me how to lie. That was just part of my nature. It was just bound up in my heart. I'm a sinner. So they had to discipline me to drive it away. Had to teach me the importance not just of obedience, but the wisdom of telling the truth even when you disobey. I needed training, and we're all like that. Children need that. But sometimes in this world, and really too often in this world, parents lack the love for their children and the wisdom from God to correct them. Please listen. If you don't discipline and instruct and correct your children, then you don't love them as God does. Notice this proverb again. Solomon uses pretty strong language in line A, doesn't he? Whoever spares the rod hates his son. If I would have asked you before this lesson started to finish this proverb, whoever, ha- uh, whoever spares the rod, fill in the blank, what would you have said? I heard a bunch of whispering. so I... Have you ever heard, spare the rod, spoil the child? It's not in the Bible. Okay? Probably one of the most often quoted Bible verses. It's not found in the Bible. It's not. It's whoever spares the rod hates his son. That's strong. Solomon doesn't talk about how the child will turn out uh, if left undisciplined. We, we, we know that. We understand that. But here, his point is the parent. If you're a parent who won't discipline your child, you might as well be hating, hating him or her. Solomon says you hate, you hate them. See, so that's really strong. I read this quote and I loved it. One man said, "...neglect of discipline is among the worst forms of child abuse." You don't hear that a lot in our world, though. But I thought this was a great quote in light of this verse because some people in this world view punishing and disciplining children, especially spanking them, they, just, they would label any sort of thing like that as child abuse. It's not. This is a biblical precedent for training a child in such a way. The word in this verse that's translated as rod is the actual word for rod or stick or staff. Sometimes it was a king's scepter or a javelin or a shepherd's staff. That's what it refers to. So some tool that could be used to discipline a child. We might think of a belt or a paddle or or even a hand today. Are any of y'all like me? You still get chills when you hear somebody take their belt off? I knew what that sound meant. Stephen knew it more than I did, but but I still knew. Stephen's my brother. honey. It's not wrong to spank your children, to teach them and correct them, if it's out of love and for their good. It's for their benefit. It's because you love them. Um, sure, when I was growing up, I got tired of my dad saying, I'm doing this because I love you. Yeah, I don't want to hear that when I'm, you know... Uh, A seven-year-old boy getting a whipping for, you know, being a knucklehead with his brother or whatever we were doing. But Dad did that because he loved us. Now, there is the extreme, right? Sadly, there are parents who misuse this discipline. This verse does not excuse that at all. This is not a verse that makes it okay to beat a child. This verse is not even about being harsh at all. It's about teaching. That's what the whole verse is about. It's just as foolish and wrong and shameful uh, to to go to one extreme as it is to the other. There's got to be a balance, right? The New Testament talks about that. There's a balance between instruction and tenderness. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul said, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And then in Ephesians, he, he wrote, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if we, if we take those verses and we pull in some of this from Proverbs, we should see the balance that we must raise our children by teaching them about the Lord from His Word, teaching them what He expects, correcting them when they're wrong, teaching them about that. That might involve spanking. That might involve removing privileges. That might involve chores. It may depend on the child and and their age. It may may take some parental wisdom uh, to know what method your child responds to and how they learn whenever uh, verbal rebuke isn't enough there's an older uh, either egyptian or near eastern proverb that says boys have ears on their backsides it's not exactly what solomon said here but in this discipline there has to be a tenderness Because discipline is not meant to discourage or to anger. That's what Paul is talking about in the New Testament. The goal is to correct, so it needs to be done out of love. And that's what line B is all about, right? He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. The idea of diligence here has the idea of early. And so many believe this this is a showing the the importance and the value of training your children early on in life you know if, if you wait till your child's 17 before you start trying to teach them it's, it's going to be tougher um, a loving parent is going to correct and correct and and correct because he or she loves that child and wants what's best for them ultimately Earthly parents should strive to be as much like God in the way he deals with his children. Hebrews talks about how God disciplines his children. If God never corrects you, you have to start asking yourself whether or not you're his. Read Hebrews. God loves you way too much to let sinfulness and foolishness go uncorrected and hurt and destroy your life. Out of love for us, He corrects us. And earthly parents need to do the same. And it'll take some prayer and a whole lot of grace. A whole lot of God's help. It has to be done if you love your child. Children, uh, they don't always have knowledge of consequences and how that one decision now may affect the rest of your life. And, and it's part of training is, is teaching them that. Um, I kept coming back in my mind as I was studying this just to an example of, of um, even a young child. You have to teach a young child not to reach up to a hot stove. And if you don't, if you don't correct that child you don't love them that much because that could affect their whole life. And that's a very physical thing. But we all need that. We all need that correction because there are decisions in life that, that last and last. But King David learned that. Every one of us needs to be humble enough to realize we need God's correction. We need to be thankful that God loves us enough to correct us instead of just... Wiping us out the first time we, we did something wrong. He's so patient with us. And so as, as parents or grandparents or teachers or however you have a, an influence over a, over a child, think about how God deals with you. That's the perfect way to deal with them. God disciplines. But he does it out of love for the betterment of the, of the child it's okay to discipline your children. It's not just okay, it's right. And if you fail to do it, Solomon has some pretty harsh words for your uh, relationship with them. He used the word hate. This world would disagree with that, wouldn't they? I don't think Solomon cares about being politically correct. He just wants to be correct. So, let's all be teachable. And... Um, Again, I'm thankful to be in a church who, a church that takes children seriously. That teaches them and loves them and trains them. Any of you children listening, your parents aren't perfect. You already knew that, didn't you? (laughs) But our Heavenly Father is. He sure is.